Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. And I have to give kudos to men because, you know, I know that they really want the woman's pleasure just as much as they want their own, if not sometimes even more. Some people say that there's four orgasms, four kind of orgasms. There's others that say there's 12. There's others that say there's 24. And then like, wow. what it was, yeah. <laughs> if there's 24, then I'm missing out. Thanks to Cosmo Magazine, I found my G-spot, you know, I... <laughs> No joke. I found my G-spot. I uh, a long long time ago. Gotta love that Cosmo. Even if you use like a butt plug, because the tighter you make it in there, the the more, the easier it is, I found anyway, to hit, you know, hit your G-spot and experience it that way. And I was just like, holy shit, how does this man know more about my body and the way it works than I do. But sometimes it was was amazing. Hey guys, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. Well, I am super excited about today's guest. I cannot wait to introduce you to her. Her name is Paloma de la Os and she is fabulous. I just love, love, love her. And we're going to be covering one of my favorite subjects, orgasms. We're going to get right down to it. All right. But before we do, I want to share this wonderful email I got from a listener. I thought it was such a great question and I love what he's doing. So I'm going to share it. It says, hello, Layla. I found your podcast about a week ago and have been binge listening ever since. It's so entertaining and hot, even when you're snarky. I love your voice, your laugh, your personality that comes through. You're a very good storyteller and interviewer. So far, I've listened to some of the early ones, the Aubrey interview, and just listened to Seeing a Sex Worker from May 1st. I'm learning a lot from your podcast. I can't wait for my wife to listen as well, but she doesn't have much time as, as much time as I do. I'm particularly interested in the threesome sex worker stories because my wife and I have been expanding our sexual boundaries the last couple years. We're 47 and met 27 years ago in college, but our sex life has never been better. The last couple years have been an interesting journey that started with us nervously going to strip clubs together. The last couple months, we had two encounters at an upscale strip club near us with one particular stripper. The first time we met this beautiful stripper, she carried on a great conversation, mostly with my wife, and then gave us the hottest lap dance I'd ever had. She focused her attention on both of us while I made sure to focus my attention on my wife as much as her. It was so hot that my wife and I couldn't keep our hands off each other when we got in the car. The second time a month later was even hotter with mutual touching that the club really wouldn't allow if they knew. She seemed as turned on 
by us as we were by her, and it ended with the stripper suggesting we get together for a threesome at a hotel. We also learned that my wife of 21 years, raised in Catholic school, is turned on by women. We're going away to a different city for a long weekend in two weeks and have arranged to meet someone one night. Her profile seems great. She likes couples and is experienced with threesomes, but I'm not sure I'll get the opportunity to ask on some of the etiquette before the night. I thought maybe you could help point me in the right direction with regard to safe sex. I've looked for podcasts on this and elsewhere on the internet, but don't know what to believe. 27 years with the same partner and a vasectomy means I haven't had to worry about these things until now. I'm not talking about whether I should wear a condom for actual sex, but do I need one for a blowjob? I love to eat pussy. I share Cowboy N's philosophy about touching women and satisfying my wife and plan on staying and, and plan on satisfying this escort. Do I really need to use a dental dam? Dental dams seem like a total fucking turnoff. I'd really appreciate if you could help us with this, but if not, thank you for all you do in your podcast. I left a review on iTunes yesterday as well. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm not going to say your name, but thank you so much. First of all, I love getting emails like this. I love when I hear about my listeners and their great sex lives with their spouses. This is the stuff. I mean, this is how it should be. If you're going to spend like you you guys 27 years together, your sex life should improve. Everything in your life changes. Why can't your sex life just get better and better and better? And I'm so proud of you guys and just so glad to hear that you're venturing out, you're trying new things, you know, you're keeping it hot and spicy and sexy. That is what to me, that is what it's all about. That is why I do this podcast. So kudos to you guys. I'm super proud, super impressed. Now, lastly, the thing with you're, you're going to go see a sex worker. I guess I'm not sure why you won't have, why you won't be able to just touch base with her and ask some etiquette questions. If she's meeting you, I assume you have a number you can reach her at, right? Now, also the other thing is this woman's a professional. I would assume that she is going to you to want, you know, she's going to want you to use a dental dam and or have on a condom. I mean, the thing, you know, the thing is this, I agree, you know, all of these barrier methods, let's face it, it's a drag. And especially when you're with a regular partner for as long as you have been that, you know, this is a, it's not as hot and, and you're used to not having these kinds of restrictions. However, for everybody's safety involved, I do recommend that, you know, you would use as much barrier between you and the sex worker as possible, whatever you can do to still keep it sexy and have the sensation. But, you know, that's really going to be something that you guys need to discuss and what you're, what you feel comfortable with, what she feels comfortable with. I'm going to assume because she's a professional that she's going to insist on it. That would be my assumption, but I could be wrong. I've never been with a sex worker, so I don't know really what their protocol is. Again, she's seeing clients and she, I'm sure, is just as concerned about your health, their health, and her health. So I would imagine that she's definitely going to want you to take precautions. And really, it wouldn't be worth you or your wife catching something, especially you can transmit stuff orally to to genitals and vice versa, from genitals to just to your mouth. So you just want to avoid all that. I believe you can even get, is it gonorrhea? No. There's something that you can get in your throat. So from like from a man as an example, if he has something, I forget 
I, I'm drawing a blank here. It's one, of, you know, it's an STD. If he has an STD and he's got it and it's secreting from his penis, you can get it like in your throat. And oh, I mean, you know, again, these are just things, you know, you just, we just want to avoid all this. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want to get too gross before we start our lovely interview. So anyway, I hope that answers your question. Thank you again so much. I just am so proud of both of you. And thank you for the lovely email. It makes my day. I wanted to share it with everybody. And thank you so much for the review on iTunes. You know, podcasters work really hard. We're working really hard. We're producing these shows and most of them are not profitable. We just do it because we love it. And the best and easiest way you can thank us is to leave us a review on iTunes. And I would love guys, if there's anyone else that wants to leave you a five-star review on iTunes, I will love, love, love you for it. And if you want to send me an email, I will shout you out. You know, maybe just use your first initial or your full name. Tell me what you're comfortable with. I will definitely acknowledge you on a show. Okay. All right. Well, without further ado, here we go. Here's our guest for today. All right, everyone. Well, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. I have a special guest on today. I cannot wait to dive into this subject. It's near and dear to my heart. We're really going to be diving into female orgasms today. So I just can't wait. We have our expert on today. And I just want to welcome Paloma de la Os to the show. Bienvenidos. (laughs) Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. All the way from Costa Rica. All the way from Costa Rica. (laughs) Yes, I have to tell you, Costa Rica is probably my second favorite place. I mean, or my it's close tie, but I mean, I oh my gosh, I could live there. I just I love Costa Rica so so much. I'm jealous you live in such a beautiful, wonderful place. Ah, thank you so much. I'm actually enjoying this time a lot. I like like the jungle, the beach, the people, the Pura Vida style. Like yeah. it's everything very, very like warm here. Where are whereabouts in Costa Rica are you? I'm in Santa Teresa. Oh. And it's oh. like my favorite place. Do you know? For real? Yes. Do you know where I stayed? There, you know that one house? I'm sure you know which one it is. That's been featured in all these magazines. It's that large, con- it's a big concrete house, basically, that just has the big tall shutters. It's two-story. It opens up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been on. There. It's been on all the like travel shows and things like that. I stayed there. And oh my gosh, I had a private chef from one of the local hotels there who would come and cook. The food was fabulous. The people were fabulous. Really one of the best, most like just healing, amazing vacations I've ever had. So, oh my God, you live in Santa Teresa to boot. That's like the best place. I, love- I know, so special. Oh, it's, it, so is, special. it is so special. Yes, that and Arenal was, I love the volcanoes and, you know, and all the hot springs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Arenal is like, it's very, very beautiful there. I love the vibe there too. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. So enough about that. Okay. Now let's jump right in. So first of all, I just want to say, I love the work that you're doing. And I really feel like we're, we're kind of kindred spirits. I don't have the degrees in your specific background, but I feel like I'm personifying the message that you embody through your work. And that's why I was just so excited. That's why I'm so excited to have you on and jump in today because I feel like we're just, we're really going to vibe. Great. Okay. So first of all, I just want to, you know, give some of your accolades because you have, you have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in human sexuality and couples therapy. 
And I really kind of want to know, you know, what got you interested in pursuing this kind of work? Yeah. So thank you so much for the feedback. Um, I feel that vibe with you too about like, I feel like we vibing already. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I first was very interested in the human behavior. Like I found since I was a teenager that like I was asking myself why people act in a certain way or why they do this or that. So that's when it's like when I started to, to feel the, the interest in studying this. So then in the bachelor in psychology, it was very general. Like I saw every like different subjects, but it was like a little of everything. So I remember taking this subject that it was sexology and I was so fascinated. I was like, oh my God, this is my field. I want to do this. And yeah, I, I needed to move out of my hometown because they didn't offer that master there. So I went to Madrid to study. And then I did like, like a master of being Santo Domingo in Madrid like yeah. it was a very interesting experience of doing in both like countries and I think what actually makes me feel very that this is my feel like very passionate about was when I started to study the orgasm and it was like in my last year of master that I started to see some women struggling with inorgasmia. And for me, it was like, I was so shocked because I, I was receiving patients of 40 years old, like females of 40 years old. And they, they told me I haven't experienced an orgasm. And I was like, what? Like, how you can spend your life without experiencing an orgasm? <laughs> I know. I mean, this is my burning question too. It's just like, how can you as a woman, because I feel like our bodies are this amazing blessing. We have, I know men can maybe can have an orgasm much easier. However, we have all these spots and all these erogenous zones and we can have orgasms different ways. And I'm like, our body is is really like, isn't it John Mayer who sings that song, like a wonderland? I mean, like we really are wired so awesome, you know? And so to not, and so I wonder how could you, go a huge portion of your life, you know, without having that experience. And it's just, I just so great. That's why I'm just totally loving on you because it's so wonderful that a woman, a young woman is pursuing this and you're not only helping, I'm sure, you know, younger women, because this is kind of where the problem is starting, right? If you can catch it early, then moving forward, hopefully we won't have women that carry on throughout their lives until they're 40, 50, 60, whatever, and just don't, you know, they spend their lives partnered with somebody and they don't get to experience an orgasm. And also the bond that the, and the connection that that produces when you're in a committed relationship with someone. So I'm just kudos to you. Really, really good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I agree with everything. Yeah. So, okay, give me an overview of, you know, some of the ways that you're helping women and also couples, you know, with your work. Okay, so um, basically my program that I currently um, having is about like helping women that are struggling with inorgasmia or like some kind of pathology around sex or not even pathology. Mm -hmm. I also like help women that are just disconnected from their bodies or their partners. So what I actually do with them is I take them from point A, for example, at point A could be a woman that is having problems of inorgasmia. Uh, 
for example, she can achieve orgasms with a with like solo partner or masturbation, but cannot achieve it with a partner. So that's is like situational anorgasmia. It's a kind of anorgasmia. Okay. So for example, I help her after like during my program, I work with all the stuff that for example, the stuff that she has, stories that she has created around sex or limiting beliefs or emotional blockage or most importantly, like I give her, I give them sex education, the sex education they didn't receive. And like when I do all this stuff, then they suddenly like with some practices and some like homework or exercise, they just start like having orgasms with a partner. This is like an example of one of my my cases. Okay, so obviously your focus is you are, you do help women achieve orgasm and kind of touched on it a little bit, but maybe we can kind of get a little, just a little bit more specific. So, you know, what are the, some, what are the most common and biggest blocks that keep women from achieving orgasm or that, you know, maybe contribute to the situational anorgasmia that you were mentioning? Okay. So this is a a topic that always came out in my interviews is like the biggest blockage that I have noticed in my practice is religion. Like, yeah. Like when, like when a woman have uh, been raised in a very like religious family or religious ideas and like perspective, and they develop this like misconception about sex, about like, Hey, sex is just to, to have babies or sex is just for the men to have pleasure and stuff like that or sex is bad. They always relate. Like if you, depends the kind of religion and depends the family, but this plays such a big role because they grew up, grew up thinking that sex is bad. So the consequence of this is that they don't achieve orgasms. They are not like completely confidence, sexual confidence. So yeah. like, yeah, I think that's the biggest blockage that I've been I've been seeing in my practice. Okay. So, and how do you help them? I mean, it's funny because I get so much feedback from my listeners and I that's a very common reason that I'll hear. You know, I usually hear it from men. They'll write in about their wives or partners and they're the ones because, you know, they really want their wife to loosen up and have a great experience and they're not sure how to bridge that gap. And I have to give kudos to men because, you know, I know that they really want the woman's pleasure just as much as they want their own. If not, sometimes even more, you know, they really get off on being able to pleasure a woman and see that and experience that with her. And so I guess, how are you you know, in that situation, this will be helpful because like I said, I get so many men who, you know, write into me about this and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I try to give my two cents, but I'm not clinically trained in this area. So I, I really wonder how you help couples in that scenario, especially getting a woman who's deeply rooted in her religious beliefs. And that's been ingrained, you know, you're kind of undoing a lot of a lot years and years of that being drilled in, especially when you're young and impressionable and that's when it takes root. So how do you help those couples get past that and help help the woman finally not feel that shame and everything and just be able to move on and have that start experiencing that with her partner? Yeah. So first thing I do is sex education. Like I teach them all about female anatomy and like how our body works and like 
I start with this because what I think they are lacking in the first place is education. Because if you think about like the sex education we receive in schools, I still the sex education that kids are receiving now, like, is so poor. Like, they don't even know, like, what is biology. It's just the yeah, biology yeah, of it. Yeah, biology. So, like, I gave them first sex education, and then, like, I disconstruct all this belief they have created. Like, this is why I, I mostly take two or three calls for this topic, because I need to, like, for example, bring a limiting belief that they have and, like, give her another perception of these beliefs so they can like maybe start thinking differently about it so then another thing that i always recommend is mindfulness meditation because they start being more present in the sexual act and they also start being less judgmental like about less judgmental with themselves because this is the thing about it like this kind of woman that can have like sexual confidence they have this some intrusive thoughts like about oh i'm doing this okay oh he's gonna think i'm bad he's gonna think i'm like maybe a a hole or something so they don't like even in the present moment so that's why meditation is so so important here because they need to be in present in the act to start enjoying and then I also recommend I give them some tools of communications because communication in this is key communication like uh, to tell her partner I like this I don't like this touch me here don't touch me there so yeah I give them like some principles of communication yeah yeah do you find it's hard sometimes for people just to even say like that feels good. Yeah, it's so hard because it's still like uncomfortable talking about sex. So I, I need to tell them on the awkwardness own, yeah. and then you're going to break, break it. Yeah, very good. Okay, so what let's talk about the different types of orgasm because there's a lot actually, you know, there's a few. So, you know, let's first let's talk about what you know, what are the different types of orgasms? And then let's talk about what's the most commonly experienced orgasm for a woman. Okay, so I actually have like a very particular opinion in this of like the different kind of orgasms because there's a lot of debate. Like some people say that there's four orgasm, four kind of orgasms. There's others that say there's 12 there's others that say this 24 and then like wow. what it was yeah <laughs> miss, if there's 24 then i'm missing out i must need to, I yeah. need to and, do some something else <laughs> yeah and i think like there's a lot of misinformation around this topic mm-hmm. and what i actually believe is that freud was the first one that talked that spoke about orgasm and he said that all orgasm were vaginal and then like with time with like all the research and all the this all the people that came after him and was like discovering this or studying this they came to the conclusion that all orgasms are clitoral so all orgasms are originated in the clitoris so that means they're like you can say there's some kind for example i believe in a clitoral orgasm in the cervix orgasm and the g-spot orgasm but i also believe that you can like achieve different kind of orgasm for example but they are all originated in the clitoris because for example you can have someone like stimulating your breast but you can feel a lot of pleasure but if they don't stimulate the clitoris then you might not get the orgasm so i that's why i believe all orgasms are clitoral and you can have like combined stimulation. So 
that's my thought in that. And like, also, I, I need to add that the most powerful orgasm is when you masturbate. And that's a fact. And the other more powerful orgasm is in the doggy position because you are stimulating the G-spot, the cervix, and the clitoris. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, okay, let me see. I, I I should have been taking notes as you were like writing this down. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So with when you say they're all clitoral, that's where you're feeling it, right? That's where you're feeling the pulses, regardless of where the stimulation is coming from. I've noticed just personally... I can have, uh, thanks to Cosmo magazine, I found my G spot. You know, I <laughs> no joke. I found my G spot. I uh, a long a long time ago. Gotta love that Cosmo. I took a dildo and I was just like, I knew I felt stimulation in there, you know. And I was just like, okay, I made myself just get in bed. I read the article and I sat there until I made it happen. And it took a long time and I really like had to relax and breathe and really just let myself go and feel those, those sensations. And correct me if I'm wrong, but anatomically, isn't your G-spot like running right on top of your, the, cause your clit is, it's not just what you see outside. There's all those nerves inside too. So it stands to reason, um, if you can see my finger here, that, you know, if this is your G-spot right here, that the nerve mm-hmm. endings right behind it, that's what you're stimulating, right? When you're, am I correct? Cause that's what it feels yeah. like to me. Like you I'm are correct. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the G-spot is inside, like you need to go like, put it like in, put a, a finger inside and yeah. then it's like eight centimeters inside and you can feel it because it's very soft and it's like Spongy. a sponge. It's kind of sponge. Yeah. 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 That's the juice book. Yeah. Right. And so I sat there and I put in, I, I applied enough pressure and since I was using a dildo, it's stiffer. And so this is what I always tell my listeners. I'm like, that's why certain positions are, if you want to practice at that and try to try to get better at that, I found that you really, it's, a penis is a lot softer than a dildo. So you have to have the right angle. And sometimes even just putting pressure like on the top of your pelvis, pushing down a little bit helps. So you can really, and and even, I'm giving out sex advice. You're the one that really should be doing it. But I'm like, even, <laughs> even, if, even if you use like a butt plug, because the tighter you make it in there, the, the more, it, the easier it is, I found anyway, to hit, you know, hit your G spot and experience it that way. And it's nice when you can learn all the different different areas. And we haven't even gotten to the cervix too, because that's a great one as well. But it's nice when you get really good and you kind of start mastering these things that you can, because you, you can really get, get sore if you're just working your clit all the time, <laughs> especially yeah. if, you're, if you're like me and you can have multiple orgasms and you like to have a long, nice long session with a partner, you'll get raw, you know? So you need to work other areas so that you get the full kind of round robin experience, you know, of, of all the things that your body can do. But I'm assuming that you would agree that the most common type of orgasm is, is just with a woman stimulating her clit in some way or her partner stimulating her clit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree in that. Like, I yeah. believe most of the women, like all, like a big percent of women can only achieve orgasms by stimulation, clitoral stimulation and not by penetration as they previously talk about so yeah you need the steam like the clitoris 
it's stimulation to achieve. I I think it's close to 80% of women needs clitoral stimulation to achieve orgasm. Okay. But we do know, because you touched on earlier in when you started talking, it's just like the lack of information out there. And there's also then on top of that, a lot of information which is unfortunate because I think men too, you know, when they really want to help, you know, they'll get a hold of this stuff and they're not understanding or they're watching porn and they're not understanding that women, we need that clitoral stimulation. It's if those numbers are correct and only 20% of women can actually achieve an orgasm, then the chances are then only 20% of their partners are going to be satisfied if they're only, if they're just using their penis and thinking that's working. But I'm glad that we've established that the G-spot does exist because I've heard, I've read from even doctors, and this is older stuff because I studied psychology as well. I didn't get, get as deep into the, head into the specific area of, you know, human sexuality. But, you know, you do read stuff and you're like, geez, these people, like a long time ago, they're saying like, it doesn't exist. This is why women are hysterical. And, you know, like, all this crazy misinformation, you know, and shame, I think, too, around shaming women's bodies and their pleasure or lack of it or whatever. You know, it's just a, it's kind of a weird thing. But we are here to say, right, you're saying, you're certifying that G-Spot does exist. Yeah, it does exist. And the first one to talk about was Kraffenberg. He spoke about this and a lot of people like thought he was crazy. But then like when they started to see like where it was and that people actually start to discovering and women start to touching and playing, then they like some people now at this point, I think it's majority of sexologists that think is it does exist. So yeah, I believe. And it seems that this area is very sensitive because it's also the one that is in charge of the skirt, the skirt. Yeah. The skirt. Yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think it's at this point, most like all people, there's no like false statements around this because they already know. Uh, be, before it was like, where is the, f- nobody could tell that. But then like now it's very clear. Yeah. And you can find it. You can feel it. It's, it's right in there. <laughs> it's not very, it's not very deep in. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the good news. <laughs> you know, you just, yeah, it's exactly. right there. <laughs> you don't have to go very far. Oh, so since you brought, let's, let's just jump, dive right into the squirting since you, you've already kind of, touched on that. Can you just from a, I guess for the biology of it, what is squirting? And what do you know roughly about what percentage of women can do it? Can can every woman do it? Kind of like the orgasm, they just haven't found the way or, you know, because this for me was kind of my last final frontier when I started this whole Curious Girl Diaries. And it was on my first year's bucket list, sex bucket list. Every year I make a sex bucket list of different things I want to try and explore. And over the years, it's gotten more and more elaborate. And (laughs) in the very beginning, I wanted to learn how to squirt because I was just like, I've seen it. And I'm like, what is this? What is this all about? So I I did. But uh, and now I can now that you know, now that you know how to do it. But what is it? Because I hear people say it's pee. It's not pee. I mean, help us out here. So like, as everything in sexology is another debate, like some people say it's actually urine. And then there's people that say it's not urine because it's, it doesn't have color. It doesn't have smell. Right. And like, for me, I think it's originated in the same place, but they are different stuff. Like this is like, that basic definition is just the female ejaculation. And I also believe that all women can achieve it, but it requires like another level of 
exploration, self-awareness, and like a lot of a, a woman that needs to be open to receive, like to receive and not to receive. When I say receive is to like to receive kind of knowledge or something like that, because what I think the uh, big company is here, like is that is an emotional component. For example, you can block it or you can intensify this. So that's why I think you must be open to receive this experience. Yeah. So, yeah. And I also believe that they, they say that you can ejaculate from one milliliter of liquid to like 10 milliliter or something like that. So that's very like depends on the person. And I also believe you need the right stimulation. There's even sex toys that can help you with this. Yeah. So, yes, that's my my opinion about the skirt and yes, I you know the first it's so funny. I had a partner who I had said this is on my sex bucket list, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can, I can make you do that." And I was like, "What?" You know, and I just thought, "Oh come on!" I'm like, "This guy's so full of it." You know, he he just he just thinks he's so great. <laughs> yeah, and and. No kidding. He made me squirt three times the first time. There was not a dry spot on the bed. And I was just like, holy shit, how does this man know more about my body and the way it works than I do? But sometimes wow. it, it was it was it was amazing. <laughs> and I was just and from there, once I started do, being able to do it and then do, doing it more and more and you know you, you get better at it and sometimes it is it's sometimes it is just a little bit and then other times it's a lot and it's crazy but it and I don't believe it's this was why I really want to ask you like is it pee is it not pee because it's so it's so clear and watery and it's not it has no color or odor you know it doesn't I mean we all know what pee smells like pee smells like pee this <laughs> is not it's not yellow coming out of you it's just like this watery substance and then sometimes it's it is this big gush and then other times it's just sometimes it it'll be a little dribbles like I'll look down I'm like oh my gosh I was I was squirting you know and but it's it feels good you know I mean it's like and it's exciting and it's fun and anyway that's my <laughs> <laughs> that's so amazing I love to hear that like and it, like I believe most of the like it's increasing the number of women that are experiencing now that before than before because it's actually very common in my clients that tell me that they even struggle with orgasms but they can squirt and I'm like wow like so I'm actually very very like happy that you yeah. <laughs> squirt because for me it's also like in my bucket list <laughs> yeah 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 yes well. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, if you get like, if you, there's guys that know how to do it and they're really good at it. It's like their thing, you know? And if you come across one, snatch them up. <laughs> yes. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that should just be part of your, you know, like on the sly. You may just, as you're kind of like meeting a new guy and qualifying him, you're kind of like, hmm, you know, is. <laughs> any experience in this and what do you think about that <laughs> that's so funny you know, right after you know right after you're asking about what's about their relation what's his relationship like with his parents and oh by the way you know can, <laughs> have you been with squirters and do you know how to do that you never know 
<laughs> you never know. <laughs> you got to you got to ask. You got to get in there. You got to kind of say like, "Hey, I'm this is what I'm looking for." And a yeah, lot of times the guys will be like, "Well, I don't know, but I'm willing to, you know, like try to figure it out with you." And that's just as fun too. If you got Yeah. It is. Having someone open-minded. I guess that's the that's the big part there. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. That's strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictly anonymous podcast. Dot com and click on be on the show. So based on just, you know, your experience with your in school and then also just working with clients, what do you, what do you think the biggest misconceptions that men have about orgasm? I believe the biggest misconception is that they think that women are not faking <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> Sorry guys, we do fake it. Yes, we do. yes. Yeah, I think we have. I think men don't realize how much a woman can fake orgasm. Mm-hmm. And it's so common, so common. Yeah, I feel like at, when I was younger, I definitely faked it a couple times for sure. A lot of times you just want it to be over with because this poor guy is just making you raw. And he's, it's not for lack of trying. You know, he's just like... <laughs> he's in it to win it, you know, but you're like, it's just not going to happen. And so you, you don't want to hurt his self-esteem. So you just, you know, yeah. or th- there's, I find there's, there's that scenario or it's, he's too porn oriented. He's just doing, you know, it's just that pound, 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 pound. And that doesn't do it either. It's like, you're not even touching my clit, but you know, you're about ready to bruise my pelvis and my cervix with this pounding. But I got to a point, and this is what, you know, I hope women get to too, is where you just realize sometimes you don't always have to be with, your partner doesn't have to be the best lover. You don't have to put it all on him. That if you know how your body works and you're comfortable with it, then you can always be rest assured that you will have an orgasm probably 95% of the times. You said sometimes you have a situational just anorgasmia because you just, you can't, you're tired, you can't get there mentally, you're not there, whatever, you know, but it's not not normal, but you know, that can come up. But just if you are so comfortable with your body, you're not going to have any problems making sure that you're experiencing the pleasure together and it's equal. And guys really actually love when they see a woman confident in bed, being able to touch themselves and make it happen. And then over time, you just teach him, use his hand or whatever, show, you know, let him experience what, how light or firm you need that touch or whatever. But I got to the point where at one point I was, I just said, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm going to be a good lover to myself first and foremost, and he'll catch up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree 100%. And so what do you, and then just, so we kind of, kind of talked about what the misconceptions for men's are. What do you think the misconception, like what's a common misconception you think women have carry around orgasm? Mm, I think, I don't know if it's a misconception, but I think the, like, they don't don't value orgasm. Like they don't. I think it's all it's underrated because women, as I say, I'm always talk about faking because I think it's like a very 
common stuff that is happening now in women. So like, I, I won't say it's a misconception. I just think they undervalue orgasm and then they like start faking and then they can get out of that cycle. I can admit I fake orgasm at some point in my life when I was 21 or something, but that now like I'm 29, like I, I don't see myself faking. And I don't know if it's like a mature or immature yeah. component in this but like i don't see myself faking because what what's the point like it's not about like not making feel the demand bad but also like if you fake you if you fake once you will likely probably fake another time so yeah i think women undervalue the orgasms and like the quality and what it does mean in a relationship yes yeah, I agree with you. I think the faking, it's a slippery slope. And once you start, it's hard to stop. And and I do think it, I do think hopefully, I, I do feel it's a little more age related a lot of times if you don't know your body that well and or you're uncomfortable, again, you know, having open dialogue with your partner about what you need or just getting yourself off while you're, while you guys are having sex, just, you know, making sure that you're taken care of no matter what. And I think women need to definitely prioritize this. And you're right when you say like, but once they do, they're going to know the value of it. And it's not worth faking. I mean, you're either going to have it or you're not, you know, and you're not going to sit there and try. It's not about trying to smooth his ego because it's not about that. It's just maybe you need a little more communication, a little more practice with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's the easiest. Yeah. But there's toys too. So, I mean, geez, <laughs> the stuff they make these days. Holy I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Amazing. There's, like, yeah, there's no, amazing. there is no reason in this day and age why a woman cannot get herself off. You know? That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> they're really, I mean, they're really, unless you have some kind of damage to the area, the, you know, the nerve endings. There is really no reason with this great stuff and the great toys they make nowadays why you just, you cannot go to town on yourself. (laughs) I know. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So I think we kind of, I think we sort of kind of already started to get into this, but just really touching on how important do you feel, because you see couples, And so how important do you feel orgasms are for the overall quality of their relationship? And why do you think, and then just my second question off that is just, why do you think people in general don't make their sex lives a priority? Okay, so yeah, I I believe that orgasms have like a very good impact in relationship. And as I say before, people undervalue orgasms because it's actually... It's even more biologically because when you have like when a woman experiences an orgasm, she like releases some endorphins and dopamine, and this kind of hormones makes you create a bond with your partner. Yes. So if yes. you're faking, you are not gonna develop this. So yeah, I believe there's another component like looking from the man side that if they don't get her his partner to ha- achieve orgasms they I, they start to feel like like under i don't know like not happy with their sex life because for men they highly value like that a woman can achieve orgasms with them so i think 
it plays a big role, orgasms in the relationship. So that's why I encourage everyone to talk about it. Like if you are not getting there, just openly talk about what you like and what you don't like and how you can get there. And as you say, if you can get them just by you guys, like start bringing sex toys, start bringing, start educating yourself like in this topic, because this actually makes a difference. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's, I just, I, this is a, probably one of my biggest burning questions that I'm still trying to answer. And I become so fascinated with, it's just like, again, why people don't make their sex life a priority, why they don't. And I, I know for myself what happened and why I didn't years ago, you know, but when I started the Curious Girl Diaries was coming off a three and a half year dry spell. I just was so into work and I'm such a type A and I just really work was like my lover. You know, I, that's where I got my biggest high and I, but I got lost in it and you lose so much of your feminine self and what I really feel the highest and best calling for women in our natural place, you know, in our natural order, that's not condescending at all. It means like, you know, we have some big strengths rooted in our sexuality. And when you put those aside, you lose parts of yourself and you don't even realize it. And so I just one day kind of said, this is bullshit. I cannot do this one more day. And I... I just said, you know, everything I want to accomplish in my life, I make it a goal. And that means I make it a priority. And I, it's a task. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to get from A to B? I'm going to do this, this, this. And I'm going to check it and see how I'm doing. And I'm going to move it forward and measure what I'm trying to accomplish and see see where I'm at with it. And I just did the apps. I just followed my business principles for achieving goals and plugged in my sex life as a goal. And it's been at the top of my list every year. You know, you always have these goals that you have for yourself. You know, I want to lose weight. I want to eat better. I want to eat all this stuff. I want to get a boyfriend. I want to get married. I want to have whatever. Put your sex life on that to-do list too. Make it a priority. And it's amazing when you shift it from the bottom to up how much stuff in your life shifts, how much happier you, you are, how much better you're relationships are your friendships you how much more you how much better you feel about yourself the value that uh, you know that you're giving to yourself then you start to attract people that recognize that better partners and just it's a snowball effect it's it's amazing i feel like that should be a study <laughs> people should yeah, yeah. and actually i made i made like i have been making this question a lot to myself too like why people don't prioritize their sex life and it's funny because at the beginning of the relationship like the actually the relationship started with this sex like fireworks sex and like sex like you know the honeymoon phase and it's all about sex and then like they is there's a pattern that they start like like going low low less sex less i don't know so and then when they actually start having relationship problems or like you know like then they want to go back to sex and they want to reignite the spark and stuff like that but like what i i see here is that most couples don't like lose the the awareness in this because for example you as i told as i told you before like you can see how sex is a big role and like a big big stuff at the beginning but at the end they actually some people divorce because there's no more sex there's no no more anything so Uh huh. So I believe like that, like sex drive is something that is going to be 
like not always in balance because all the stuff that you go through life, like professional setting and job, kids, this community, family, blah, blah, blah. Sex drive is something that you need to work on and like do some stuff to, to, for example, eating healthy, working out, getting sun and stuff like that. There are principles to keep your sex drive okay. And like no meds, no, like there's another thing that is like, oh my God, in like, for example, antidepressants, anxiolytics, yeah. this is killing sex driving people and they are don't even know it. Like yeah. they, they don't even know that this. So yeah, I believe sex drive. You have some orgasms. It's the best antidepressant there is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it hits your system pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, and I see this in my practice. Like sometimes people are struggling in the sex life, but they don't want to invest. And I'm like, how are you going to make a, like, how are you going to make a change if you not, don't want to invest in yourself? This is the same as a gym that you go and work out. Like if you're having trouble, you need to get a professional and yeah. work on that. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I know. Yeah. Get a coach, right? Get a trainer. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. What, you don't have to be the expert in all these subjects. There's people out there like you that went to school to be the expert to help people, you know, get over yeah. the hump and turn things around. And the the reward, like I say, I just think people miss or they don't know what stems the ripple effect that's going to happen when they actually do start to get their sexy back and start feeling better. And it shifts so much in you mentally it's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. I mean, it's one of, like I said, it's it's free and it's it's the best antidepressant, you know, you could you could think of. It is. But, yeah. But I think, you know, again, we'll just we'll just have to keep seeing how this all unfolds. I hope that w- with people like you out there that, you know, this this over time, this trend shifts and people will start to invest more in their and prioritize their own personal pleasure and their sex life and make it part of what's important in their in their daily life. Okay. Last question. I was going through so I went through some of your social media and this is like I as I was doing that I was like, "Oh my god, I love this girl." I was that's why I was getting really excited to talk to you because you you had a post and it definitely resonated with me so I'm like, I got to ask her what she meant by it. I don't want to assume because I feel like I feel like we're simpatico here like, you know, like but I, I'm like, "Let me have her explain." I don't want to put words in her mouth. Okay. You had a, a post and it said, um, a man should be masculine, a woman should be feminine. There are no exceptions to this. So can you yeah. tell me what you meant by that? Okay, so actually is it can sound very extreme when I say there's not exception to this, but like what I'm trying to tell is that in order to a couple have like this polarity alive, the woman needs to stay in the female energy and the man needs to stay in the in their male energy. Because when like I also agree that we have like some kind of both energy in ourselves. Like, but we need like as for example, I'm a woman, so I need to stay in my female energy. This means that I need to like take care of myself, like do stuff that may like enrich me as a woman and I don't need to like there's a like there's like a point where you can cross for example you can put like this positive side for female side and then the male side you can go like in the middle for example and like try to sometimes connect be connected with your another like that's 
male side that we have. But what I think is for the couple to be good, like to work, is so you go, you guys stay in this in the energy. So there's polarity in there because yeah. when, like, when, if I see, for example. And I don't want to, like, make someone feel uncomfortable. But, like, I don't see any problem in a woman that is, like, attracted to wo- to women or same sex. But what I do see a problem that I don't, like, see is healthy is when a woman tries to be a man. Because then it becomes, like, a fake male. So, like, what's the point of being, like, some something, like, you are not? Because... It's, it's kind of like, it's another deep topic because I believe there's a lot of history and like, it's even like, I don't know, it's very it's a very deep topic that I could talk hours. But like yeah. what I'm trying to tell is like, you need to stay in your energy. So there's polarity in the relationship. And that is how things work. Yes. Yeah. So I, just to follow up really quickly, I believe this so much for me. And I see that when relationships uh, when I've watched over the years, just with my friends and with my own. When things are breaking down, to me, it's I always see it's a very common thread. And it's just that people have sort of stepped out of their roles. And like you said, with the female energy and then and maintaining that polarity. The polarity is also what gives you this incredible spark and creates this hotness and this tension between the two of you. That's always building. And if you can find as a woman, get in touch with that, find your strength because there's a lot of strength in that, in that side of the spectrum. And then for men, same thing. When they are rooted in their masculine energy, it's so hot and sexy. And naturally women, it's are just, you're tapping into our primal lizard brain with that stuff. And exactly. It keeps, when I'm involved in that type of dynamic with someone, we don't have a problem over years maintaining our sex life, our drive and desire. It's always on. And it's amazing that it doesn't fizzle out. And I think it's a misconception. I wish people understood it doesn't have to fizzle out. You got to do some work to make sure, you know, everything's lined up. Now, you know, and just, and that being said, just to briefly comment on, you know, the same sex couples, I think that if they can create that polarity somehow, I'm a, a straight female, I'm not gay female. So I don't know, you know, I, this is certainly not my lane to speak on it. But what I believe is, as long as you are creating that polarity somehow, some way within your relationship, you're going to go a long way and you're going to eliminate one of the biggest things that causes relationships to fizzle. So if you can, master, if you can just kind of really work on mastering that, the rest will follow. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's what I thought. I was like, I was reading her stuff. I'm like, oh, I love her. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I know I'm excited to let everybody know that you have so generously offered to give everybody that listens if they want to uh, go to your website and sign up with you for some of your course offerings that you'll be giving them a discount and they can just use the code aware and curious. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you. And just so everybody that's listening, I'll also have all this along with the code in case you forget it in the show notes. So you can you can find it at the show notes, but just let everybody know where they can find you. Okay, so you can find me in all social media as Aware Mama. And my my website is awaremama.com too. And I'm currently this service. And I want to talk like very 
shortly about the program is uh is for for both men and women and it's like an eight-week transformational program and it's for you to have better orgasms more confidence sexually and a deep knowing of your desires and uh it's like includes eight calls weekly calls and include also like modules of an online course that is about sex education and in each model you can see like we we go through different topics from anatomy to spiritual sex to love languages to limiting beliefs communication and stuff like that so it's very like it's very whole so this program is like is for you if you feel disconnected if you have been feeling disconnected from your body and if you feel like a newbie with the stuff about sex and like if you are feeling disconnected from your partner too if you want to know your body and your pleasure more, more intimately so if you want to know new ways to turn yourself on to create a crystal clear vision for yourself and your sex and love and relationships and yeah if you want to rewrite the stories that you have had around your body and your sexuality this program is for you all right great well thank you so so much paloma i have enjoyed our talk today and i just again thank you so much for your time thank you for your generosity and offering that discount and all right, everybody, well, you know where to go. If you didn't catch the links there, don't worry. You can just go to thecuriousgirldiaries.com forward slash podcast, click on this episode, and I'll have all of Paloma's stuff there for you. And also don't forget, if you love this episode, don't forget to leave me a voicemail. It's so easy to do. Just go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and click on the pink tab on the right-hand side and leave me a voicemail. And if you have one for Paloma, I will make sure she gets it. All right. Thanks, guys. Everybody stay safe, happy, healthy. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend and make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers-only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.